This is episode 131 of the 200 Churches podcast. The issue comes up, and there's this distrust that starts to grow, and people start to grumble. The pastor goes and sits down with the people and just asks them about their heart and just finds out more about their story, talks to them and says, I want to care for you. I want to hear what you have to say. I'm not necessarily going to agree with you, but I don't think that's our goal here. Our goal is to learn to work with each other, and I would like to learn to work with you. I'm going to treat you with dignity. I'm going to love you well. I might even have vigorous disagreements with you, but I'm going to do it in the context where you know and you have the confidence that if you need someone to watch your back, I'm going to be the one to do it. I'm going to care for you. I am going to be someone that supports you as you go through this too. Welcome to the 200 Churches Podcast, where every Wednesday we produce a fresh episode of ministry encouragement for pastors of small churches. Now here are two guys who, like you, serve in the trenches of small church ministry. The grumpy and dopey of ministry podcasts, Jeff and Johnny. This is the 200 Churches Podcast. I'm Johnny Craig, and as always, I'm here with my friend and podcast partner. Jeff Katie. Jeff Katie, and we have a guest in the studio. We weren't going to talk about him yet, Johnny. Oh, okay. You and I were going to do the typical, we're you banter know. banter a little. How's the weather? Banter, talk about, you know, how people to feel comfortable with our podcast. Yeah, welcome to the podcast. Our podcast is for small church pastors. It is. And if you're a small church pastor, if you pastor a church that has an attendance or membership anywhere from 2 to 299, you are a 200 church pastor. If your church has 300 people, turn this off now. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, no, 300 and over, yeah. Go somewhere else. Yeah. Find your own podcast. <laughs> this is a podcast to encourage pastors of 200 churches. Yeah, if you're a bigger church, you don't need our, you don't need encouragement. Okay. Whatever. All right, enough banter. We, we have just, a guest. We do have a guest. <laughs> In the studio. Welcome to Dion Weenia. Good to see you, Dion. Thank you, guys. Is that a Dutch name, Dion? It is a Dutch name. Okay. I never knew. Dion is a Dutch name. I thought it was French. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Bingo. Dion. Yeah, I don't know what my mom and dad were thinking. So, well, they they thought you were going to be a singer mm-hmm. or an probably. actor. I thought they were Atlanta Falcons fans. But you know, I think you're probably a severe disappointment. Oh wow! To, to them because of that. I could say that's probably true. <laughs> and our listeners are like, so encouraging. There goes Jeff, foot in the mouth in the first three minutes. You're usually mean to me, not our guests. Oh, We're dear. really okay. excited about what's coming here. <laughs> Dion, welcome to the 200 Churches Podcast Studio, the international headquarters of the 200 Churches Ministry. Spanning the globe. That's where you say, oh, that's, that's okay. where you say, I am humbled and honored to be here. Dion I am doesn't... very, very humbled and very, very honored to be here. Dion See, does not want to play I, I have games. not been in this big time atmosphere in my career to this point. So. Now, now we're talking. There we go. Now we're talking because <laughs> we tell our listeners that we... We have this opulent and luxurious 200 Churches podcast studio. Would you agree? I mean... It's beautiful. Yeah. But you know, the next time you come, Dion, I promise you, I almost ordered it. There's going to be a third boom arm right here. Are you serious? For you. You're out of control. Yeah, you've got all the big chairs, and you got that big hair and the big (laughs) smile to go with it. 
<laughs> but there's no boom arm for I love you. It. We well, do have a, we we do have a boom first stand. First things first. Yeah. yeah. So we'll, we'll see we'll if he's that. worth it. Dion, uh, what do I say about you? You called me nine years ago, eight nine years ago, and said, "Hey, I'm moving in. I'm kind of moving my some of my practice into town. I'm a counselor. I'm a Christian counselor." And I just want to take you to lunch and get to know you. I'm getting to know the pastors in town. Do you remember that lunch? I remember that. Do you remember anything I said that day? Mm, probably not. And I don't really remember anything you said that day. I just that was thought, a long time ago. It was ago. a while ago. He I just thought, remembers, this man seems to have a troubled mind. <laughs> he doesn't remember anything specifically, just a sense. Are you talking about Jeff or me? Jeff. <laughs> no, no, no. You, yeah, I had the troubled mind. You have the troubled mind, yeah. You came in and thought you were going to talk to a pastor who could lead prospects toward you, and instead you realized you had a prospect, you had a prospect sitting, sitting yeah. across the table. How did you know what I was thinking? <laughs> so, Dion, tell us about yourself. Tell us uh, just briefly about you, about your family, about what you do. Um, my name's Dion Wina. I am a counselor, have been for about 20, 21 years. Um, I do some church consultation and do some conflict resolution in churches, um, some consultation around different issues, but mostly around leadership, around level of trust in churches. And yeah, when there is a conflict or there is a problem, I can either come in as a consultant, or I can come in and do some mediation type of work. Those are the things that I do in my business. And then I do counseling, um, and I work for a Christian Counseling Agency. And, yeah, I spend most of my time working with people on faith issues, on life issues, that kind of thing. Tell us about your family. My family. I have a lot of kids. Oh. I have... Eight children, um, ranging. You in, do not. I do. You really do. I do. I didn't know this. That's a lot of kids. Tell That's us no a, joke. Tell, tell us the rest of the story here. They range in age from twenty-two to to five. Well, the oldest is going to be twenty-two next month. Wow. And the youngest is five. And I have four older ones and four younger ones. Uh, the four older ones are daughters, and they are twenty-two to fifteen. And then the four younger ones, I've got three boys and one girl, and they are uh, nine down to five. That sounds like an exciting household. They don't all live with you, of course. They don't right now, no. I've got one daughter who has her own apartment, but she's home most of the time. (laughs) And then I have another daughter who's in college in Phoenix, and she's been gone for the whole year, but she just came home this past weekend. So you're full up right now. We are full Hotel Wina right is is packed to the rafters. So I'm, am I and coming over two, for supper tomorrow? Two dogs or? too. So. Oh, and two dogs. Of course. Why not two dogs? Why not at that point? Dion, you say you do uh, conflict resolution type stuff with churches. I figure that's probably a pretty boring industry because churches don't have a lot of conflict, do they? It is a little bit of a boring industry because <laughs> even though churches may sometimes every now and then have conflict. Once in a while. Um, they don't generally ask someone from the outside to help them with it. Why should they? Why should they? Yeah, why well, should they? Well, they're independent. Well, a lot of times people can handle it on their own, but uh, sometimes the problem stays there whether or not people feel like it's been handled, and it always sits there in the room. Um, it's always part of the culture because it's not really done. It's not really dealt with. 
So you come in, you provide that outside, you know, third person perspective, and you can come into that situation and help call that stuff out a little bit. That is my job. That's uh-huh. what I like to do. So when are you coming to our church and helping us out with Jeff? When will you invite me? <laughs> oh, ho- holy cow! I didn't even know you did this until last week. I'm serious. I, you know, we've we've known each other now for a while. I had no idea that you were doing this until our mutual friend. Uh, told told me that you did this, and I thought, well, he's coming on the podcast. We've got to talk to him about this. So this is great. Now, how uh, what's the what's the range like? How far have you gone? How far away have you traveled to? I've to I've gone work with the church. A three hour um, drive to work with a church in this area. Okay, and about how many churches have you worked with? Do you have any sense? Uh, it's, I'm probably in the teens right now, okay. probably 14, 15. And as as churches are finding out, uh, have you seen that more are calling you and contacting you yeah, about it? Yeah, it's become busier and busier, and the, especially the last six to eight months have become a lot busier than I was before. People didn't really know about it before. We don't have a ton of advertising, but then... Yeah, I do some presentations, or I work with a church, and they like what came out of it. Then I get a little bit of word of mouth um, referrals. So Dion is the second person we know that consults with church boards because Dave, Dave Jacobs, Dave does Jacobs well. does this. Yeah. And when we talk to Dave, Dave is a regular on our podcast. He is a uh, a pastor coach from uh, the from Oregon. I don't know the name of his town. I got to figure that out. But from I think it's East, I think it's Western Oregon. Um, but he also consults with church boards as well as with pastors, and so he'll he'll come in and or or through Skype um, he'll talk with both. And sometimes there's the issues of reconciliation that are needed. But you're only the second person I've ever known of that actually goes in and works with church boards. Do you wear Kevlar for that? <laughs> He's a shapeshifter. <laughs> I, okay. Yeah. So, what are some common what are some common issues that you've seen even just across you know fifteen different churches? Well, there's different issues with sometimes there's different groups in a church that want to go a different direction, and whatever the subject may be, whether it's worship, whether it's um, theological differences. Um, some more conservative, some more liberal, some of those things. There's also issues involving church staff and church finances that we have worked with, issues with, uh, yeah, somebody does something, and there's one group that believes this way about it, and they, they think the person should have to do this. The other group thinks this person should have to do something else. And there ends up being a lot of distrust among the people in the church. And that's that's generally where it ends up. If I'm called in, there's generally a pretty high degree of distrust. What I mean, what makes people stay in a situation like that instead of just quitting the church and finding another place to worship? You know, some people do quit the church and find another place to worship. Okay. Um, other people are invested for different reasons. A lot of people ca- really care deeply about their church, and I find that's true more often than not, is that they identify with their church, they feel like it's a family, and they don't want to leave the family, and but they want something better to happen 
There's also other motives that uh, are probably more in line with this is my church and I'm going to outlast this person or this person. And, you know, <laughs> we all know my family, those people. My yeah. family's been here forever. Sure. Um, since the church started 150 years ago. Legacy members. And so, yeah, we're not leaving. Right. So you've got a lot of different reasons. Now, I, I want to backtrack just a second here. I assume you didn't get into working with churches to make money because if you did, you were very confused. Uh, what, what, that would be very true. Yeah. What prompted <laughs> you? What prompted you to get into to say I want to get into the muck with churches on this issue of reconciliation? Because realistically, this is why a lot of people leave church and never come back. Like a lot of people are so turned off by fighting in church that they're they're done with church. So what made you say I actually want to enter into that actively? Uh, and you weren't hired by some firm. You like created the. This is your business, isn't it? Right. Oh, so what? What? What happened to you as a child? No. What <laughs> made you want to step into that type of situation? Because you know, I respect it, but at the same time, it is a little bit. I mean, that's like tough stuff. Yeah the the way I got into it, I went to school for counseling, and um, I enjoy counseling a lot. Um, but as I went on in my career. I got involved in a couple church starts that were pretty exciting. I was always always involved in teaching in churches ever since, you know, I was in college and grad school. And then I had an opportunity to be on a board. I was on I was an elder on a um church council. And that was a very interesting experience. You know, there were conflicts that went on there that were pretty um a little more severe. Uh I then took the opportunity to do my counseling job half-time and work for church half-time back at that point and um, enjoyed that work as well. I was involved in a, a second church start from that one. I was involved in a lot of church leadership training, a lot of um, spiritual renewal type of things. And so these two worlds started coming together for me. And it was probably back 2004, 2005, I started putting together some materials for what services to churches might look like, um, whether it be them wanting counseling services or them wanting other kind of um, services about pastoral coaching, like you were talking about before, or just consultation for uh, things that I knew about in my world of counseling and human relationships and human dynamics and the church world, which I loved um, and wanted to be a part of, and it just was a natural fit for me. And so I was in private practice at that time and started talking to different pastors and people involved in denominations about what I could do. And so I started getting some ideas back then, and it just grew from there. Probably about four years ago, our director at our agency told me, you know, I think we're ready to incorporate that into our business. And so they gave me a little backing to be able to do that. They had an established reputation that was that was good in the area, so that was helpful too. And so we've really been doing this for about three, three and a half years. 
and it's grown in that time quite a bit to where right now I'm working with three different churches. One of my responsibilities on the podcast is to anticipate our listeners' questions and then be the person in the room to ask the question that I think at least a number of pastors are thinking right now. And you're, you're among friends, and we're here in, in the room where nobody's around. Um, it's just us and, you know, hundreds of pastors. Could you, could you, um, do you have an idea of whose fault church problems are? Is it, and we won't even say the pastor, we'll just say leadership. No, let's, let's talk about the difference between now, because there's three groups of people. There's the, there's your members, and there's your, then there's your lay leadership, your board, and then there's your paid staff. Yep. So leaving the member, maybe we could leave the members out of it, but I don't know if you can. I mean, where's the, and I don't, I don't mean the blame, but, but who's, where do you see the most problems coming from? Most problems come from human beings. Oh, that's. I've that's, heard this. I don't I like that like. answer, though. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's pretty true. Because pastors are, pastors, I think as pastors, let's just be honest, we want to blame our people or we want to blame our board. Jeff's trying to get out of it right now. He really wants you to say lay leadership is the No, problem. I'm really curious. <laughs> I'm really curious. Do you find... It can't be the man of or the, woman of God. Do you find that when you're we're working with them, I mean, who are you looking at saying, oh, come on, you've got to work with us here a little bit more. You've got to... This is kind of a little bit more on you, even if it's 5149. Is there, I mean, do you have a sense? Is there, is it usually more the, 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 the paid staff, the pastors, or is it usually more the board, or is it like the people? The problem can originate in a lot of different ways. I usually don't talk about who's to blame here, who's to blame there. Right, right. We all have things that we want to have happen. We all have desires. Um, the problem is that sometimes those desires in our hearts become bigger than just desires. Uh, and then this happens in a lot of different ways with a lot of different groups. But in the middle of that, we start to try to make things happen. And when we're making things happen, other people feel like they're not respected or not taken into consideration or whatever. And the level of trust in the relationships uh, decline quite significantly. And when you have that lack of trust in relationships, everything's going to be hard. Everything's going to be like pulling teeth. And so I don't talk about it in terms of whose fault is it so much. I talk about it in terms of what are the relationships in the church like and why. And there's a lot of reasons why. Mm-hmm. So trust, trust in relationships would you say that's one of the, the top elements that you need in order to have healthy leadership and healthy functioning churches? Oh, yeah, beyond a doubt. That is one of the main ingredients is trust, and the other ingredient that leads to trust is just a basic humility. Those are the two things we look for. Go ahead, Johnny. I was just going to say, we had Bill Thrall on a number of months ago, Yeah, and you can go back. If you didn't listen to that episode with Bill Thrall, you can listen to that. Or uh, I would say if you did listen to it, you can listen again. It's a phenomenal episode. Bill is uh, Bill's like the grandpa we all wish we had. Is that mean to him? Because no, of that's his age? true. I just that's my grandpas true. were great, but I'm just saying Bill was Bill is like you know. Yeah. But Bill talked about trust. What you're talking about here too, Dion. 
And I think that it's so interesting to me is that we talk about leadership, leadership, leadership. I tell you, the more I think about leadership and try to be a good leader, the more frustrated I am. I feel like I'm good at relationships. I'm not great at leadership. And I see almost a split in my mind. It, what what Bill talked about, and it feels like what you are kind of talking about as well, is, look, it's not about getting people to do things. That's the making them do it. It's about having trusting relationships with people and moving forward together. I mean, mm. am I is that accurate? Correct. Okay. Um, I mean, I tell churches when I go in and there's a conflict, say there's a conflict in the church council, deacons, elders, or something like that is going on. Um if there is one thing to think about, it's this uh, this problem that we have, this conflict that we have is an opportunity for us because we often just want to make it go away. And the more we try to make things go away, uh, the more they become an issue because we're trying to um, take take an opportunity that we've been given by God and we're trying to just shove it off to the side and we say, we need to stop fighting so much and we need to get to our mission. And I, when I come into churches, I talk to them about a lot of times the conflict is your mission. That our, our calling, what Jesus calls us to, is to love one another. And that's how the world will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. And the relationships are the main thing. The relationships are the mission. And to the degree that we learn to love each other well is the degree to which our outreach will be more successful. Um, that, that will be what God has in mind for us to be. This calls back to the episode, Jeff, you and I did together. Maybe we did two, actually, about the 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 blocks, the building blocks of, of your ministry. Right. And that right. bottom layer has to be love. Yep. And and only because reconciliation wouldn't fit, right? But reconciliation is an, is an act of love. When you go into these churches and are looking to reconcile, how I want to ask theological questions. Well, which I have is a lot not, of questions too, so I get the next question which after is you. Not what, well, I don't, you can, I'll punt to you. <laughs> okay. My question, you know, is maybe just rhetorical. It's into the ether. But, you know, we've lost reconciliation. We've lost, like, loving relationships as the key component to, to, to the ministry of Jesus Christ, if that makes sense. And I'm thinking about First um, or Second Corinthians, right? It talks about we've been given this ministry of reconciliation. First? Second, Second Corinthians okay. chapter 4 and 5. There you go. Second Corinthians. Okay. Uh, we've been given this ministry <laughs> of reconciliation, and we've lost it. We've lost it because we ha- instead have a mission of, um, you know, and look, we talk about this on the podcast, so I'm not against having good services, but we instead have the mission of really uh, relevant services or really awesome programming, and we have the mission of really... Uh, maybe strident outreach is what your church is all about, and you have a, a blossoming door-to-door calling ministry. I don't know. But we've, we make reconciliation about people saying a sinner's prayer instead of having fulfilled new life relationships with one another. I don't know that I have a question at the end, why did this happen? You know, like, take us through church history now. But I just have this thought that what you're doing and what you're talking about, the trust, the relationships, the reconciliation, that's like gospel. Like, that is what Jesus gave us to do. It's the bottom line. It's the bottom line. And everything else is details. 
all those things are good. Right. Um, and those being good, they have to have direction to them. But if you don't have the bottom line, if if what we believe isn't good news and it's not good news for our own relationships, the effectiveness of programs and the effectiveness of outreach, all those things is going to be pretty limited. I have a church in mind, and I'm not trying to name names or call anybody out. I have a church in mind, and, and the leadership the leadership structure, it, 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 it's broke. it doesn't work. It's broken. It's poor relationships, no trust, and not focused on reconciliation. And this church has amazing ministries. And, and I've described it to you as it's like an apple. And as you look at this beautiful apple, it's like, you, oh my goodness, look at this apple. All I want to do is eat this apple. It's gorgeous. It's perfect. It's the perfect color. And you bite into it, and it's full of worms, and it's rotted out. And it's not sustainable. Like, I think about that, and I think about this church and think, how are they going to keep on going? How is that going to be sustainable? Those worms are going to come to the surface at some point. I'll shut up. Jeff, you have so many questions. Well, you know, Dion had his psychobabble going earlier. Oh, come on. When, when he said something about relationships are the main thing. Why can't I mean, we just get excited when we have great guests? Well, You've got to be mean to them. My, my pastor friend, uh, Peter Preachmore, he, um, oh, jeez. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That it, My pastor friend, Robbie Reachmore. Oh, um, wow. Robbie says that the main mission is to reach more. Susan, save more? And, uh, well, and then our our, fi- <laughs> our financial assistant, Gloria Givewell. Oh, she, um, this is horrible. She says that, that the purpose is, you know, to get more money to give to missions and, you know, to build the kingdom. Um, but it reminds me, actually, of the lady at the IRS that I had to talk to the other day. Don't do it. Stella Taxwell. There it is. Um, she, <laughs> Dan, you said relationships. Tina, Tina Taxwell? No, not okay, Tina Taxwell. No, 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 no. That would be ridiculous. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you that, lost you're, your question. You're, thinking, <laughs> you're doing too much of this. You're thinking of... Uh, Did those names come off the top of your head? <laughs> Absolutely. He's thinking of Peggy Peggy Paymore. Peggy Paymore. Yes, yeah, I'm sorry. Yes. It accounts so, payable. Peggy I really did go to the IRS office the other day. They owe me money. I will say this publicly on the record. They owe me money. They better give it to me. Stella, get it going. Um, you said relationships are the main thing, and you said that the mission is relationships, and, and churches want to get rid of the problem when the problem might be exactly what is going to help them get to where they need in terms of church health so they can do what they think they really need to do is to reach out to more. But Dion, you probably know this like I do, that in in the past decades, churches have been so focused on reaching more that they're that they're growing and growing and growing, but the health factor in terms of trusting relationships is just very poor. And so you get these top heavy structures uh, that that they just you know the foundation just crumbles and then like what you just talked about Johnny that church that you know looks really good and they've got like great ministries but when you go behind the curtain there's you know there's really nothing there right what would you say Dion to to a a young man or woman who has just taken their first or maybe their second full time ministry they're very excited. It's a it's a two hundred church. It's a church of one to two hundred people, or, or less than a hundred, and they have all kinds of ideas. And they know that these people have called them to produce something at this church, to create change, to take them to the next level. 
What would your recommendation be to this young pastor in light of the fact that you just talked about trusting relationships? Where does this pastor start in his or her first year of ministry? If it's about building trust, which I believe it's about building trust in relationships, where you start is not necessarily taking this initiative first or that initiative first. Those things can happen. I'm not saying those are bad things, um, but really focusing on getting to know people, being able to communicate to people that you care for them, uh, because if a person knows you care for them, things are going to go a whole lot better than if they're questioning, you know, they're all involved in this over here and we don't like that. And um, if people know they care about you, that you care about them, um, that's going to take that uh, dynamic out of the mix. But, but how does a young pastor do that? How does a new pastor do that? They just stand up behind the pulpit and they just say, I really care for you all. And then, of course, then the people know that he or she cares about them, and then we're all set and we're off to the races. Yeah, it happens in, in relationship. I mean, you can say it from the front, but until a person experiences it, they're not going to feel it. They're not going to... So, so I'm in a new ministry. What do I do this week? How, how, how do I do this? I mean, how do I get my people to trust me? Like, what are the contexts? What happens? How can I hurry this up so that I could get to the work of ministry? Uh, I would say go listen to people and find out what God's doing in their life and talk to them about it and say, this is what I see God doing in you. That simple. So, that is simple. <laughs> so listen to people. And find out what God's doing in their life. Walk with them as they, you know, do things. Just knowing about their life, knowing about what is their story, how has God worked in their story, um, those are the things that people will remember. And they'll say, you know, I don't know exactly what this guy's doing, but because he cares for me, I'll go along with it. I'll work with him. I'll I'll put my effort behind it. Can I? I want to say realistically, you're you you know Jeff, you're putting the cart before the horse a little bit. <clears throat> like let's let's get people to trust us so we can finally make these changes we want to make. But yeah, realistically, so we can finally do ministry. Right, yeah, that was a joke, by the way. I understood. Yeah, joke. okay, all right. <laughs> realistically. You shouldn't be doing ministry with people that you don't know anyway, because you might have all sorts of ideas about the ministries that your church should be doing and what you should be doing and what you should be teaching. But how do you know if you don't know your people? If your people are really deficient in the area of X, maybe don't make a ministry created around that deficiency, or I don't think it's going to work real well. Here's, here's an example, I guess, and this would be my teaching. When I first got here and I was teaching youth, I was just pulling curriculum and just slapping it and saying, okay, here's what I'm teaching you guys. The more I get to know these kids, the more I realize that curriculum I was using had nothing to do with their lives. It was meeting no felt needs at all. And so I had to get in relationship with those kids, know them, know their stories, see what God's doing, care about them. Right, they they trust me now more because I care about them, and now we can have conversations that are real to their lives, as opposed to just what some curriculum tells me to use. Those curriculums are great for big, big, big churches because you're never going to know 300 kids personally. You just can't do it. So you got to teach them something. So you get the curriculum, but we don't have 300 kids. You know, we got 20 kids, 
and I need to get to know those kids so that I can teach them what they need to know. So I think that what you know, what Dion's talking about, realistically, before you can do ministry, before you even know what changes you should make, what ministry you should do, you need to know your people. Otherwise, what are you doing? Dion, go ahead, Dion. I was going to say, chances are, in those first, you know, couple of years, you're probably going to run into some situations where, um, yeah, things, conflicts come up. People question you. People don't necessarily trust you. What a pastor does in those situations when they come up as at first is huge for the rest of their ministry. If they come in and in reaction to the pushback against them, if they start to experience quite a bit of anxiety in the middle of that, that anxiety is going to come out in a certain way. And people are not going to experience that so well. And in the middle of that, the the distrust is going to grow. And when distrust grows, then say this little thing is wrong over here, and it's a problem that maybe originally is the size of a peanut. And when you have distrust in a situation, it grows you know, huge. It's like putting it under a magnifying glass and it's the same problem, but in the in a culture of distrust, you're not going to have anything to go on, and every little thing is going to come up and look huge. And it's like what they say in marriages is like, we fight over the dumbest things. Well, that's what that is, is there's distrust hmm. in the relationship, and little problems become huge problems, not because they're huge problems, but because there's distrust. You said earlier that if a, a new pastor in the first year or so runs into some roadblocks and has some people who are not happy with him or maybe expre- you know faces some opposition it means that he or she is not a good leader right that would be wrong that would be wrong because I know that pastor, and you may be listening. I don't. Right I don't now. know that you can be a pastor without running into that kind of thing. So it's inevitable. I would say. Don't say that. Ninety-nine percent of the time, it probably happens. Okay, so probably there are pastors that, that need to hear this because <laughs> I know there's the pastor out there who's feeling like I'm not a good leader because I keep I'm having to deal with all these leadership problems and these people problems. You know, and if it weren't for the people, ministry would be great type of a thing. Exactly. But but the reaction on the inside of the pastor is that I, I'm not doing, I'm not a good leader. Uh, there must be something wrong with me, or there must be something wrong with my church, because it should be smooth as glass. There's something wrong with your church. It's full of people. <laughs> right, right. It should be smooth as glass. So, so Dion, what I, what I hear you saying is that, no, how should a pastor react when there's uh, a dislike of their initiative or opposition to their proposal in a board meeting, in a church business meeting setting, or whatever. Fisticuffs? Fist, no, that's for you and me. Oh, okay. Yeah. We do that behind closed that, doors. That's for fundraising. Um, <laughs> you set up a fight and say, this person against this person, $5 Perfect. a seat. So. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so um, what, you know, what would you say to a pastor? I have... I've seen this done poorly, and I've seen it done really, really well. And the times that I've seen it done well is when the issue comes up and there's this distrust that starts to grow and people start to grumble that the pastor goes and sits down with the people and just 
asks them about their heart and just finds out more about their story, talks to them and says, you know, I want to care for you. I want to hear what you have to say. I'm not necessarily going to agree with you, but I don't think that's our goal here. Our goal is to learn to work with each other, and I would like to learn to work with you. That's not caving in, caving in as a leader? You don't have to agree with someone. Only you can still if... work, but you, we have to work with each other. So no, that's not caving in. That's just saying, I'm going to treat you with dignity. I'm going to love you well. I might even have vigorous disagreements with you, but I'm going to do it in the context where you know and you have the confidence that if you need someone to watch your back, I'm going to be the one to do it. I'm going to care for you. I am going to be someone that supports you as you go through this too. You know, as I listen through these episodes, I always need to find a teaser, a little clip from the that beginning. It? That was it right there. That, I mean, how beautiful is that in a church? If a pastor is so, and I could use this term, so well differentiated that he or she can disagree with somebody, but that person has no sense that there's any personal opposition or personal competition, but that they have a pastor who's still caring mm-hmm. for them and would watch their back. Yes. I love that. We're rejecting the U.S. Congress form of relationships. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we absolutely. don't. That's not what we're about. And we, we tend to demonize each other. Right. And that's what they do in, in our government. Sure. Is, <laughs> yeah. You know, if they don't demonize each other, they don't get the support from their constituents. Right. And in churches, we do that the same way. So, Dion, uh, when, will you join us next week again? I'd love to. Okay, and when you do, I'd like to talk about, uh, get pretty specific and talk about if a pastor is having static on his board or her board, what do, specifically what do they do? And then I would like to talk, I would like to get into just a little bit the, the inner life of the pastor, the, the soul care part of it, and the types of the types of things that you would know because you've counseled so many people that you, I mean, you would know just, okay, if you're a pastor, okay, you're struggling with A, B, and C, and here's some, here's some things to think about because sure. pastors need encouragement and they need hope. So that's going to be next week. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the podcast. Next week, the last week of July, we're going to have part two with Dion Weenia, and hopefully there'll be a ton of encouragement in there for you. And also, Johnny, there'll be some more parts where I'm hoping Johnny Craig is listening to what Dion is saying. Ah, yeah. Amen, well, brother? I'll, uh, amen. I'll amen. stay on top I, of you know, I can't There's, there's the places po- he needs fixed. Well, you know, saying? I can't add the podcast without just giving a little, you know, little That's rib why I, I only call Jeff Albert a firm well. That's, why, <laughs> that's his nickname. Hey, thank you for listening to the 200 Churches Podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and inspired by this episode of the 200 Churches podcast. If you haven't already, subscribe at 200churches.com and receive the guy's free PDF download called Our 7 Favorite Ministry Resources. You can count on us to be back next Wednesday with another brand new shiny episode just for you. Until then, may God bless you as you lead and love the people in your 200 church.